On this episode, we're talking about Season 5, Episode 7, Chuck versus the Santa Suit. That's right. If you violate the Santa Claus, you better prepare for the Santa Suit. You've been served. Ho, ho, ho. Hello, you're listening to Go Check Yourself. If you've listened to previous Christmas-themed episodes before, I bet you thought that Aaron was going to bring up the Santa Claus first, but you would be wrong. I brought it up the first thing I said on this episode. She cannot beat me. I am too damn fast. Hello, my name is Christmas Gillespie. My name is Aaron Arata. Um, I don't I don't have a, a Christmas fun because I'm just so ashamed that... Uh, Chris got there first. This is this is kind of my thing. This is what I look forward to in the holiday season. And uh, Chris took it away from me. Damn straight I did. Your Christmas sucks. <laughs> Screw your holiday season, Aaron. Uh, I'm looking forward to exactly two months from now when my Christmas will suck. This is, yes, we are recording this uh, basically on Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'd like to give a big screw you to Chuck for forcing us from Halloween right into Christmas. I do not stand for this. Chuck, we got to at least appreciate November and have some time off between holidays. Let's enjoy Thanksgiving, <clears throat> excuse me, before we get right into Christmas. But unfortunately, the way things are now, Halloween, Christmas, what what is happening? Doesn't matter. I mean, that's that's true. Do you remember, like, was there a Thanksgiving episode this season? I feel like I should know that, um, considering it would have just happened. There was there was not any Thanksgiving mentioned. So what what was going on? Why did it go from Halloween to Christmas? Was there like a gap? Do you remember? They just didn't do a Thanksgiving episode. I know, but like, it doesn't seem like there were enough episodes. How were they like spaced out to get from Halloween to Christmas? Okay, I will pull out the old DVD pamphlet. Thank you, see thank what the you. Deal is uh, one moment. That's a nice little satisfying click right there. All these practical sound effects. I'm gonna be as loud as I can to. Yeah, Chris is really doing this. This is actually this is some good foley work. <laughs> thank you. Um, so let's see. So the Halloween episode we identified was Chuck versus the Bearded Bandit, right? Yep. So that was. The Bearded Bandit aired November 4th, 2011. Okay. All right. So, then, so after Halloween, sort of like our <laughs> Halloween episode will air. Correct. So then uh, Chuck versus the Frosted Tips aired on 11-11-11. I remember that day. Ah, that was a fun I, day. I remember that day, too. That was a good day. It was a nice day. Then Chuck versus the Business Trip was on 11-18-11. And then, yeah, I mean, they did actually end up taking a break kind of from mid-November to mid-December because then Chuck okay. versus the Curse was December 16th. Okay. Um, and Chuck versus the Santa Suit is uh, 12-23. Wow. So two days right before Christmas. Wow. Do you, do you remember if you were ringing in if you came home from uh your first college break mm -hmm. and um made your family watch chuck with you two days before christmas do you remember i said you guys don't need to get me any christmas present this year all i want is to the family to sit down during the friday night death <laughs> slot and watch this and struggling watch, um, <laughs> this dying television show <laughs> and watch uh a um a character from two seasons ago uh, just brutally treat a woman for an hour. Yeah, this was not really the episode. Uh, you kind of need to know the backstory of it. But I guess even if you don't know the backstory, it's still uh, kind of disturbing. So then, uh, well, I guess this is getting ahead of ourselves. But the next two episodes then aired on December 30th, right before New Year's Eve. They're really what? just they don't they don't care when people watch the show, apparently. And then it's already in the Friday death slot. They're like, why don't we just air it when we air it on Christmas morning? Can we guarantee that no one will watch this? We'll air it at 9 a.m. Christmas morning. Uh, and then I guess they kind of stick to a more normal schedule after that somewhat. Okay. Um, so, yeah, Chuck listeners, I know you're 
everyone is very curious. That's what you come here for, to talk about the original air dates of episodes of Chuck. You've come to the right podcast. Honestly, I think it's interesting. It is kind of interesting. It's, uh, I don't know. I wonder what I was doing on that day. Probably watching Chuck. But I know what I'm doing on this day. So on that note, I guess we'll talk about Chuck versus the Santa suit. You ready? It's it's kind of a wild one. My sleigh is packed full of toys for all the good <laughs> little boys and girls. I should have said girls and boys, but I didn't. Yes, Eric, take it away. <laughs> all right. So we start this episode with probably the most important holiday gift that anyone can ever receive, mm-hmm. which is Jesse Hyman dressed as an elf. Correct. I do believe he referenced this when we spoke to him. Yep. Do you remember? Yeah. I think so, yes. Um, it's a sight to see. It's beautiful. The man really fills out an elf costume. Looks great. Um, the scene continues to, uh, I mean, like, you can't really top that, but the scene, like, continues at that level. We see the buy more. It's just like, they didn't go all out for Halloween this year, but they did go all out for Christmas. It's, there's decorations, there's reindeer, there's snowmen, there's fake snow, there's a star that, like, might be a Jewish star, but it's definitely not, because this is Christmas, baby. Um, also the news are at the buy more. Like, I, I don't really know. I, I guess maybe it's NBC news and they are talking about the recently released Omen virus, which seems to have not like, it's kind of vague throughout this episode. If the Omen virus, like it's, it's causing some problems, but it's not really like out yet. It's just kind of like a, a soft release of the Omen virus. People are kind of talking about it. It's kind of like when, um, when you started hearing the word coronavirus, but like it wasn't really like out there yet. Nobody right. really knew what it meant. It hadn't been like fully, you know, mm-hmm. which is confusing because in the end of the last episode where you see the omen virus crashing television screens or like big electronic yeah. screens mm-hmm. around the world. Yeah. But apparently it's not really happening yeah, or it's not yeah, doing it's, anything. it's like it's it's there, but it's not there. Right. That's that's all. If if you want more of an explanation, you're gonna have to go to the source, which is of course Josh Schwartz and Chris Bedak, mm-hmm. um, the writer of the forthcoming movie Ambulance, which we we can talk about more later. Um, but or or maybe not. The news is at Buy More because apparently everyone in the city of Burbank is going to the Buy More to get their computers fixed from a virus that is or is not in existence right now and it's not clear don't ask us any more questions about it but the buy more is packed big mike takes an opportunity to talk to the news uh anchor he is a virus truther he says that the omen doesn't actually exist um and that everybody should get back to what they're supposed to be doing at christmas time which is buying stuff Mm-hmm. Lester takes an opportunity to step in and say that the virus does exist and everyone's going crazy because of it and just kind of ruins Big Mike's whole vibe. Well, I have to interrupt you there, Aaron, for okay. a declassified Ooh, scene. Ooh, another Christmas gift for me. Correct. Just a little one. It's just a little stocking stuffer. It's the only one. There's only one declassified scene this time. But uh, Chuck, Morgan, and Casey are watching this news report from uh, Casey's apartment. Chuck starts to spiral, concerned that his inability to stop the Omen virus has ruined Christmas for everyone. Morgan assures him that it's not totally his fault and asks if Chuck wants some soy nog. Morgan whispers that they had to switch to soy nog from eggnog out of concern for Casey's cholesterol. Just then, Casey takes a sip of his nog and is disgusted and says, is this soy? Chuck asks Casey if any of his contacts have had any leads on who could be behind the Omen outbreak. And Casey says no. Chuck tells Casey that he's concerned someone is coming after him specifically, and Casey reminds Chuck that all of his past foes are either dead or behind bars, and that their mystery man will make a move soon enough. Okay, well, that that actually leads in quite nicely into the next scene, but I do want to say I am 99% sure that I saw that scene. Um, I did watch season five on DVDs. I don't know if it's possible to just, like, do you have to watch them separately or is there a way you can like insert them into the episode? Like, why would I have seen that? I wasn't really prepared to answer this, but uh, on the season five DVDs, they do something a little bit different with the declassified scenes where rather than having them as one uh, real, like mm-hmm. in the bonus features, they actually mm-hmm. make it so that you can access the each episode's declassified scenes from the episode menu. So there's a 
little scissors icon next to each episode Mm -hmm. title and you click on the scissors and it shows you the declassified scene. So it would have been very easy for you to do that. All right. Well, I think I saw this one. Um, There are oddly a lot of references to soy and soy milk in this episode. Um, Like like there's one, but now that I know about this declassified scene that I definitely saw already, um, there are two. The next one takes place at, we, uh, we cut to Clarksville Penitentiary. Um, which I do you think that's a Superman reference now that I'm reading it? Uh, oh, yeah, it sounds like it. I don't know. That's I don't know. That's kind of funny. Um, Clarksville Penitentiary, where two guards, um, one is kind of ribbing the other one about basically being uh, what I believe the youths are saying uh, soy boy, because I guess he he drinks some soy milk um, and that makes him weak. Something else that makes him weak is that he's worried that the Omen virus might hit them because all of their doors are controlled by computers. And obviously, if the Omen virus, which may or may not exist, were to hit them, then the locking mechanisms on the doors might not work. Right at that moment, the locking mechanism on one particular door fails and the door opens. A faceless someone kills both guards. Who is it? It seems like we're going to find out, but no, we don't find out. Back in Burbank. Ellie is behind on her Christmas preparations and really upset because she can't find the Christmas star. I was uh, I was willing to cut Ellie some slack because I tend to decorate for holidays like right before they happen. But then we find out that it is, in fact, Christmas Eve. So actually, uh, Ellie is pretty behind because she doesn't have a tree or decorations. Um, Devin, in an attempt to calm her, tells her to say her own name because that will make her feel in control of her life. So, Chris, I, I think we should maybe try to say our own names right now and okay. see if it calms us down. You go first. Christmas Gillespie. <laughs> you sound like you're like um, like making a collect call or something and you're like saying your name. Setting up my voicemail inbox? Yeah. Christmas Gillespie. You should uh, make that your name for the entire month of December. That would be very funny. Yeah, that maybe I'll. I that would probably only take a little bit of paperwork, right? At town hall, that's how you change your name, right? I <laughs> yeah. do that. Um, Aaron Arada is away right now. Please leave a message, <laughs> and she'll call back shortly. Do you feel any calmer? Uh, not really. I feel more <laughs> on edge now thinking about people leaving voicemails. <laughs> What? I just I know I'm talking to you in real time right now, but I was like, what's Aaron doing? Why didn't you answer my call? <laughs> that's yeah, that's fair. Um, as we've established, if you call me, I will answer because I will think you are dying. So if I haven't answered, it's probably because I'm dying. That's or right. Recording a podcast with you. Aaron and I do not talk on the phone. Never will unless it is a DEFCON 5 emergency. Yeah. Otherwise, no phone calls. Absolutely accurate. Uh, speaking of anxiety, Devin asks Ellie what she's freaking out about, which is a, a nice, it's it's not really a don't freak out, but it is a use of the phrase freak out, so I clocked it for you. Ellie says that Christmas was her very first memory, and she wants to make Clara's first Christmas special. Um, I was confused here because, um, as established, I have no idea how old Clara is, and I thought she was like three at this point, so I was surprised that it's her first Christmas, but it is in fact her first Christmas. Ellie really wants a picture of Clara on Santa's lap, so she assigns that particular task to Devin. We cut to a call between Ellie and Sarah, where Sarah is somewhere I've never seen before that we're told is Castle. Really confused about this whole thing, but Sarah is handling what she calls Project Santa, which involves getting a tree for Ellie and getting some fake snow. I guess we're led to believe that she's like just in an office in Castle. But it's a little weird that she she has all of this Chris, all of these Christmas decorations in this one room, which like, I guess if you are if they're like the baby Claire is too young to really have any kind of like knowing what's going on for Christmas. But I feel like this castle would come in handy when she's a little bit older and maybe like trying to find her. Or Christmas presents, you know, you can take, mm. like take care of everything in Castle. But yeah, uh, it was very weird that Chuck and Sarah were talking via video call when she was in castle he was not there wasn't really any reason for them to be separated like that aside from the fact that 
we need Sarah to be alone in Castle, and yeah. that's what she's doing, apparently. I also don't know why they had to be on video call. Um, like, <laughs> I, I don't really video call my partner or my friends early in the morning, like, and before work. I don't really know what's going on. Um, yeah, I was unclear. In the following scene, Chuck talks to Sarah um, and kind of has the same conversation that occurred in the declassified scene where um, he's kind of feeling guilty about the Omen's release and she's reassuring him. We also find out in the scene that Casey has gotten something called Mr. Pippers, the preppy polar bear. That was Chuck and Morgan's favorite toy as children. But we find out that Casey has not got it for Chuck or Morgan. He has gotten it for Alex because in her youth, when Casey was obviously not around, she used to carry one around. Casey gets teary talking about it. And it was actually um, I see from your face that you were affected by this, too. It was a very sweet moment from Adam Baldwin. Mm -hmm. I know I've been talking about like he's he's really been leaning into Casey's softer side this season, and I really like to see it. It was very sweet. Indeed. I'm assuming this was a reference to uh, Mr. You said his name is Mr. Pippers. Mr. Pippers. Yes. So he's basically like a uh, Teddy Ruxpin stand in is my guess. I have no idea what that is. Um, okay. I'm going to look it up right now. I don't. I I don't like him at all. He's very scary. You don't like him? I don't like him. Do you like him? <laughs> um, I guess I didn't really think about it. I guess I'm just kind of ambivalent. One of them one of the one of the characters is just like a a big bug. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> oh my god. I guess I should probably return the Teddy Ruxpin I got for you for Christmas, but He'd, that's fine. Honestly, kind of looks like Coco. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, he's he's a little bit more aesthetically pleasing than Coco. Coco, let's face it, is very <laughs> ugly. Don't don't let her know that I said that. It's, um, it's okay. She's she's safely in her drawer right now. <laughs> she's in her safe file cabinet. Uh, something I would like to point out, while since we've been talking a lot about Adam Baldwin's performance you know as a father connecting with alex we haven't really talked about how adam baldwin has three children of his own in real life i didn't know he had three children yeah and uh are you so, looking up their names yeah he's got two daughters allegedly okay. and a son mm -hmm. okay. so he's probably you know mining his own emotional experience mm -hmm. uh as a father for his performance so i think he's doing a he's doing a good job yeah that's really nice um, as Casey threatens to beat up Chuck and Morgan for uh, seeing his emotional display, Beckman calls in to say that she knows who's behind all of this. We cut back to Castle where Sarah is about to leave. The door opens and who is there but Daniel fucking Shaw. And uh, I texted Chris last night, just um, all capitals. Ah! Um, but... Out of the blue, with no explanation and no, no context. Well, I and assume I did not. that you would know or did know. I didn't. I thought it was a response to what I had previous sent you. Previously, had sent you. Okay, didn't really yeah. make sense, and I was just like, "I'm very confused." But I'm I'm glad that I now understand why you did that. My reaction when I saw this, when I saw the scene, I said, "Quote, holy shit, what the fuck?" I made a. Like the sound that I actually made to my television was kind of like, like a like a seagull sound. I would say, like I kind of went like, ah! like you were making a mating call towards Brandon Routh. I mean, I guess that's true. That's I mean, we're we're gonna get into it. <laughs> <laughs> so he basically just like there's no other way to put this other than like he beats the fucking shit out of Sarah. Yep. He does still have the intersect right now, so he like has that, but he's also kind of has the power of surprise and just, like, his raw brute strength. He throws her off the balcony. Um, she's okay. She gets, like, she gets back up. Um, and my, my notes on the subject say, he throws her off a balcony. Also, he looks incredible. This is literally my fantasy. This is literally your fantasy. You want you want Brandon Routh to, to throw you off a throw me balcony? off a balcony, then like deck me like so hard in the face that I pass out. I guess. <laughs> so that's what he does 
apologize to Sarah. Um, she wakes up and he's um, like tied her by her wrists. Uh, she's she's kind of dangling from the ceiling. Um, still, still my fantasy, to be honest. Um, he makes a reference to how the omen is sixty nine percent complete, which hey, I can, <laughs> I can only assume is the truck riders making a sixty nine reference. It must have been. I I wrote that down too. I was like, yeah. there's no way that they, you know. We find out that Shaw is planning to take over the CIA. He takes a moment to duct tape Sarah's mouth and then decides that he's going to video call Chuck, which I guess it was helpful that the uh, video call link was already um, up and running. Going back to what we were saying before, like there is an international, like not pandemic, like viral pandemic, like a computer pandemic. Why were they video calling on the Internet? Like why would why did they decide to do that? At the beginning of the episode. I don't know. I would describe Shaw um, or Brandon Ralph specifically in this next scene as in what I wrote down as Scott Pilgrim mode. He's kind of pulling on to his um, he's, he's kind of pulling from his Todd character, which I, I guess would have not quite around this time. It would have been a little earlier than this time. But like I he, he has like a similar like vibe where like. When when Shaw is evil, he's kind of like cocky and like like he he's got a vibe. Mm-hmm. How, how would you how would you describe him here? He he's kind of like like when I, I described Decker in a previous episode as like having like a shit eating grin all the time, and I feel like Shaw has that here, but like he he wears it better than Decker, maybe because we have context of who the fuck he is. I think he's he's very flippant and he is very kind of. Uh brazen and he can be very sarcastic yeah and he's like playful but also malicious yeah and very confident and self-assured in what he's doing and doesn't really have like a ton of patience for chuck or sarah so he calls chuck uh with sarah of course dangling in the background her mouth covered in duct tape um to give chuck a lesson on krampus which um, was a useful reminder because I haven't really thought about Krampus lately. Um, he tells Chuck that Chuck is worthless and has to do everything that Shaw says. He's cagey about why exactly he's doing all this. He gives a couple of options about like Chuck uh, ruining his life, um, Chuck putting him in jail, Chuck trying to take the intersect. I don't know. He gives him a bunch of options, but doesn't really say which one it is. He does say that he needs something called the Macau device, which is being held in Decker's office in the CIA. He then hangs up and immediately rips off Sarah's duct tape. So it was on there for a grand total of like a minute and a half. I don't know why he bothered to put it on her other than maybe he didn't want her yelling to interrupt his call. Mm -hmm. Um, He explains to Sarah that he got Decker and his team to work with him via blackmail. Apparently, Decker went to interrogate Shaw at some point, and Shaw was able to flash on him and reveal all of his dirty secrets. We cut back to Chuck, Morgan, and Casey, where Morgan says that they need a good plan in order to take Shaw down. Chuck says he has a good plan. The uh, plan in question is that they're going to use Jeff and Lester, who are apparently better than any CIA hacker. Once again, this one uh, electronics store in Bymore has the best hackers that the nation, maybe even the universe, has ever seen. Way better than any government-trained hackers. Casey is going to find some alternative methods of getting into Castle and maybe some alternative fake Macau devices. That doesn't really come up, but Chuck does tell him to do it. Meanwhile, Chuck is going to break into Decker's office at the CIA. Casey says it's suicide if Chuck goes in alone, but he's not going alone. We cut to another video call, but this one actually makes more sense because it's with Beckman. She explains that the Macau device is actually... um, my notes my notes literally say she explains the Macau device. I didn't write it down. I can explain it. It's the this device that can uh compress a ton an abnormally large amount of data into uh a size that normal computers can use. So it's like picture, you know how like when you right click on a folder and then it has that compress option and then all of a sudden okay. you have this weird. It's kinda like zipper. a zip drive. Yeah. Right. yeah. So it's a big one of that. It's basically just a big thing that's going to take whatever information the uh, the omen is dealing with and compresses it down. 
Okay. Well, that was, um, that was, of course, our tech corner with our tech correspondent, Chris. Thank you for explaining that, Chris. Now, moving on. Beckman says there's only one way into the CIA, and that's with her. She also says, this is my team, and no one is going to take us down. Which is nice, considering, like, they're not really her team anymore, but they'll always, like, they'll always be her team, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Although, I was a little bit curious about how the fact that Shaw is an escaped felon from a federal prison, but... Beckman feels the need to do this like covertly like he's you can just tell him above tell everyone at the CIA hey we have this guy escaped from prison he this is why we need him back and they'd be like okay but instead she's like no we got to do it the hard way maybe be all sneaky about it and coy well she's she wants she, she wants to have a little fun with it and who who can blame her oh she's gonna have fun all right before she can have that fun uh, we get a scene of Morgan heading into the Bymore to talk to Jeff and Lester. He pretends that Bymore Corporate has asked him to research the Omen virus. He tries to play hardball with Jeff and Lester to get them to spend some time uh, decoding whatever. Jeff, who you may remember is smart now, suggests that um, Morgan make some offers to them. And Lester's first suggestion for what offer uh, Morgan can make is some delicious Subway sandwiches. And th- that was nice. It, w- it was nice. We haven't, I don't, I think this is our first Subway call out of the season, or at least our first one in a while. I think so, yeah. So it was nice. Um, Jeff is a little bit upset that Lester didn't uh, kind of think bigger, potentially with like a Bahamas vacation, but... Later in the episode, they'll be pretty happy with their choice, I'll tell you. Casey also says that he's going to head into Castle through the air ducts, which I just highlighted because I I knew you would be excited um, for that little uh, foreshadowing of what's yet to come. Like, they were toying with, like, Casey, you have to find an alternate way into Castle. Like, they already know it's going to be the air ducts. (laughs) It's going to be the air ducts. Why are they like, hey, can you... (laughs) They're just, once again, like, Beckman dancing around it. Like, no, just... Just tell him. Yeah. You can't, can't keep the man out of the air ducts. He just loves him. He's like a raccoon. <laughs> That's true. Um, so while the angry horde of buy more customers trying to deal with the omen, which may or may not uh, be out in the world right now, um, are at the buy more causing a ruckus, Ellie and Devin arrive to uh, force Big Mike into a Santa suit and take a picture of Clara on his lap. Big Mike leads them into a supply closet where his Santa suit usually hangs, but we find out that someone has stolen the Santa suit, leaving behind only the eyebrows, which I want to say is poor commitment for whoever stole the Santa suit, which we're about to find out. Um, But good on Big Mike that he's wearing like fake eyebrows in addition to a beard and hat and Santa suit. Like that's commitment. That's true. I don't know if you recall, but I had a Santa suit way back. I do, I do recall. Oh, it you, kind of, you recall um, fondly, it seems. It it all blends together because you also, at this time, I mean, this was literally at this time. This, yeah, it was. This episode <laughs> aired at the same time that I was introduced to your Santa suit. Also, you had a Gumby suit, and yep. I feel like they kind of blend together in my mind where it's like a Gumby Santa. That would Christmas be awesome. Gumby. Yeah, that would be That's pretty a good cool. Idea. So Devin calls Chuck to, I guess, inform him that the Santa suit is gone. Chuck is like, who would do that? Then hangs up and uh, we pan out to find out that it is Chuck who stole the Santa suit. He's ruining Christmas for all the children of Burbank because apparently the Bymore is the only location where they can meet or get a picture with Santa in the entire uh, Los Angeles metropolitan area. Once you've met Big Mike Santa, you can't go back to a normal Santa. I mean, that's true. Why does Chuck have the Santa suit, you ask? Because he's heading to the CIA Christmas party, which is apparently a thing that happens. Back in Castle, Shaw is lowering the temperature to stop the mainframe from overheating when he does release the Omen virus, which may or may not be released now, currently. Um, Apparently things are going to get very hot, so he's putting the temperature way down. And he's wearing a coat, but Sarah herself is just wearing jeans and a tank top. So pretty much immediately, she starts going into hypothermic shock. Shaw goes into a monologue about how he actually is doing all this because he missed Sarah. 
Um, he shares some words of affection, some words of love, some words of pining, but it's actually kind of a ploy just to like bait her into responding so that he can record her voice onto a computer and like use some kind of gadget that's gonna um, allow him to hold it up to his face and say, um, say words and then Sarah's voice comes out. One of the things that he makes uh, himself or he makes Sarah say under his command is, Shaw's so handsome and smart, I bet he reads a lot of books. <laughs> Which, like, I don't know if it was ad-libbed or if it was just a really funny line by whoever wrote this, but I really like that. Like, there was no reason for him to say that, and it was kind of an outlier and weird, but it was just really goofy and cute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, he's evil, but he's also can be... Uh... Can be charming sometimes, I guess. He's, he's kind of charming. Uh, speaking of charming, yeah, he uh, tells Sarah that he wants to crush her soul the way she crushed his. And my note after that says, still my fantasy. And then he walks away from Sarah and that gives Sarah a chance to flip herself up and retrieve a knife from her high heels. And she starts cutting away at the ropes, hanging her from the ceiling. Boy, am I excited to be talking about some good old fashioned product placement for Subway. <laughs> In the computer cage of the Buy More, a subway employee serves Jeff and Lester like they're at a restaurant, but <laughs> they're at the Buy More. She hands them their sandwiches and coffees, so Lester quickly identifies how powerful and dangerous the Omen virus is and jokingly suggests that it's up to him and Jeff to save the internet and the world from the virus. Jeff says that he's sure the government has their best people working on it. Cut to the CIA headquarters where the party is in full swing and nobody's working on the Roman virus. No one's even concerned about it. They're all just wasted and dancing around. Beckman, uh, Beckman and Santa Chuck walk in and are immediately greeted by Stan Lee. No, not the flat Stan Lee, but the actual three dimensional Stan Lee. That's right. True believers. Apparently, Stan Lee has been an undercover spy this whole time. And he and Beckman have a history. Stan Lee tries to hit on her with some mistletoe, but she's not having it. And he walks away defeated. Chuck must be really stressed because he could care less that he just met Stan Lee <laughs> at the CIA headquarters. Uh, or that Stan Lee is a spy. All I have to say to that is Excelsior. I I knew that was coming. I, I like, can we, I, I know that we're taking a little bit of a long time with this one, but like, can we just stop for a second and talk about Stanley's cameo in Chuck? Like, what what's going on here? Why is he here? <laughs> it's the Christmas episode of Chuck. Why is he here? This is not related to Marvel in any way. We only see him cameo in Marvel properties. Like Chuck is, I I feel like owned by DC. It is. So it's like Warner even Brothers. Yeah. It's even weirder. This right. is it's this is so weird. And like I was saying before we started recording, like. Stanley is like cameo appearances. I, I mean, I like it had been happening, but like I feel like Avengers kind of was the point where, it, like, at least for me, it clicked. Like, oh shit, this guy is really like gonna be in all of these things. Mm -hmm. And um, so like that that was yet to come. That was that was coming in a couple of months. So it wasn't like Stanley cameos were a thing as much at this point. So it's just like. Why is he there? I'm I'm really happy. Like, don't get me wrong. I am happy that he is there. But it's just pretty crazy that like Chuck in its like season with the least amount of funds, like just just grabbed him. He must have been going for a uh, he must have been a, a pretty uh, easy sell. He must have not been that expensive for a brief cameo. Yeah. Aaron is Aaron is shook by this cameo. We've seen a lot of celebrity cameos on Chuck and. None have shaken us to our core. This is appearance literally of shaking me to my core. Uh, so then something else that will shake your core, specifically your lower intestine, more Subway, apparently. <laughs> uh, there's more Subway product placement. There's a giant Subway sandwich that apparently Subway catered the CIA's uh, Christmas party. Got to pay for the season somehow. Got to get those Subway dollars <laughs> Gotta in Got to get those Stanley cameo appearances. Yeah, you put them both in the same scene. <laughs> Why did they have Stanley eating the giant sandwich? That would have made for quality TV. That could have maybe earned them season six if they did that. But <laughs> I guess we'll I never agree. Find out. Uh, Beckman directs Chuck to the woman who is standing near the giant subway sandwich. Her name is like General Haim, I think. And 
Beckman explains that she's the only one in the building with a key card to every room. She's a notorious hard ass, says Beckman, and only lets loose one night of the year, Christmas Eve. Also, she has a fetish for Santa Claus. It's Chuck's job <laughs> to seduce her and steal her key card. Turns out this is pretty easy. All Chuck has to do is look at her and say hello as Santa Claus. And she basically pushes him into a cubicle and gives him a very hands-on lap dance. And at this point, I wrote, still my fantasy? <laughs> Get it? Because it's, it's like Aaron was talking about her. This is not really my... This I well, was just a you, joke. You did, uh, you did reference that you own a Santa suit literally two minutes ago. So, um... For wholesome purposes, not for nothing notorious. Chuck quickly rips her keycard off her waist and she mistakes it for a spank, I guess, <laughs> because she's really into it. Just then Beckman approaches and reprimands uh, General Heim for her contact and says that she will personally escort Mr. Claus out of the party. Back in Castle, Shaw realizes that Sarah escaped and unlocks the armory to take out a big ass machine gun to hunt her. Sarah sneaks around Castle trying to hide from Shaw. While Shaw goes on this whole creepy villain monologue about how Sarah can't hide because he knows everything about her. He says that he doesn't want to spend Christmas Eve with Sarah. He'd rather spend it with his family. Oh, wait, he can't do that because Sarah killed his wife way back when. I forgot about that, to be honest with you. That's important. It's kind of a big, big part of this episode. Just then Shaw hears some reindeer in the air ducts. Is that the hooves of of (laughs) Santa, his sleigh? Uh, nope, it's just Casey, and he's in the air ducts, and Shaw's pissed, so he just opened fires at the air ducts, and it's it's not funny, it's just, but Casey falls out of the air duct, the whole thing crashes from the ceiling, Shaw just, like, basically kicks him into a holding cell, I was trying to track this in my mind afterwards, because, like, Casey doesn't really get up, like, Shaw just keeps on kicking him until he's behind he's this door. He's in a holding cell, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so... Casey's immobilized by all this. Apparently, he was also shot. I didn't realize this until later in the episode, but he's shot. And Sarah tries to sneak up on Shaw while this is going on, but he knocks her out, too. So now we have Shaw having Sarah and Casey trapped in Castle. This is not looking good, folks. True believers. You think I could just take over Stan Lee's catchphrases now that he's dead? (laughs) Yeah. He's going to come after you. Probably his estate and his lawyer's. Well, you could just say you're you're with Excelsior. You could say you're quoting the New York State motto. It's not specific to Stan Lee. Do you want to represent me in my case against Stan Lee's estate? Sounds good. <laughs> Aaron Arata Esquire. Beckman and Chuck, meanwhile, break into Decker's office with a key card and scramble to find the mystery device that Shaw sent them to look for, the macaw device. Fortunately for them, Chuck finds it almost immediately. (laughs) Unfortunately for them, though, the security guards at the front desk are watching the security monitors and see that someone stole Colonel Hines' uh, card to get into Decker's office, which is sealed shut for, you know, crime reasons or whatever. Beckman hears the guards coming and realizes that they only have one option. She rips open her uniform coat and says, Pucker up, Bartowski, you're about to become a man. And she kisses Chuck on the lips. I I remember this moment from my first watch, and it was equally satisfying now. The guards run in uh, with the colonel, and Beckman says that she will court-martial them if they don't leave her alone with Santa. This is adequately threatening and disturbing enough for them, so they leave Beckman and Santa Chuck alone in the office. Cut to Beckman and Chuck are driving in the van. Chuck realizes that Sarah is probably dead by now, so he asks Beckman if she wants to go steady with him. Beckman says that she thought he'd never ask, and the two start making out, like, ferociously. We cut to ten years in the future. Apparently, Beckman still had some good child-rearing years left in her, because we see Chuck, (laughs) Beckman, and their three beautiful children gathered around the Christmas tree. Chuck is staring longingly at a snow globe when his son, Stephen, asks what he's doing. Chuck snaps out of it and says, nothing, I was just thinking about a Christmas long past. And he pats Stephen on the shoulder. Beckman sees this and says, you better not be thinking about that dead wife of yours. And Chuck <laughs> says, no, honey, of course not. And we um, we like slowly zoom out of the window and we see that they're actually in Stephen's cabin this whole time. Like Chuck's family's <laughs> mm-hmm. cabin. Yeah. And then the Christmas star glistens above them. And we see like what looks like a comet or maybe it's like a shooting star mm-hmm. that passes through the night sky. Uh-huh. And as we do, we see this. We hear an old man's like whimsical chortle, like ho, ho, ho. Suggesting that maybe, just maybe, this comet was the real Santa Claus. 
So then text fades in saying, Merry Christmas. <laughs> That's how the series ends. That's the end of the episode, everyone. That was... I mean, like, I saw that, too, but, like, just hearing you describe it, it, like, really hit me pretty hard again. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful ending. It's a beautiful tribute to Chuck and Sarah's relationship, but also Chuck and Beckman's relationship, and also the existence of Santa Claus. Just kidding. Chuck and Beckman are in the van, and it's incredibly awkward. They vow never to speak of it ever again. Like, anytime I kiss someone... Chuck calls Sarah's phone to reach Shaw to tell him about the device, but Sarah answers. Uh, she sounds weirdly optimistic and unperturbed, so Chuck tells her that he's on his way. Wait a second, that wasn't Sarah. That was Shaw using his really cool Sarah voice simulator. Do you want one of those, Chris? Do you want Do you want one of those so you could like make like Sarah say like I love you, Chris? You're very handsome and you read books. You know what? If it was presented to me, I would not turn it down. Does that make you happy? Is that what you want to yeah, hear? Yeah, it does. Thank you. Chuck hurries into the buy more, which is in complete customer chaos. Morgan promises Chuck that Jeff and Lester have made some progress with the Omen virus. Just then, Sarah, quote unquote, calls Chuck to tell him that Casey disarmed Shaw and locked him in a cell. She ends the quote by calling Chuck dear, which Chuck thinks is strange because it's Christmas. So he thinks that she should be calling him Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> he immediately knows something is afoot and that Shaw still has the upper hand on Sarah somehow. Morgan realizes that this is bad news because last time Shaw was in town, he blew up the buy more. Chuck and Morgan realize they need to get all the frenzied customers out of the store immediately. So Morgan gets on the intercom and delivers a speech about the true meaning of Christmas as powerful as Linus's in a Charlie Brown Christmas. It was beautiful. It brought a tear to my eye. Well, maybe not that powerful. He basically just tells the customer that it's pathetic. They're standing in line at the buy more on Christmas Eve and tells them to go home to spend time with their families. He really seals the deal on this by saying that the buy more is closed for the evening. All the customers leave besides one, Cindy Lou Who, who's <laughs> no more why, than two. This is why that episode's so long. Because all of my killer material. <laughs> it's so funny. Turns out that Ellie has been standing here this whole time, even after the failed Santa photo opportunity. She basically tells Chuck that her Christmas Eve plans have fallen apart. Chuck responds with the equally cheery news that Sarah's been kidnapped by their father's murderer. <laughs> Ellie wants to help Chuck save Sarah, but Chuck insists that she vacate the premises immediately. She heeds the warning and wishes Chuck luck in whatever he's about to do. Back down in Castle, Casey is writhing around on the ground of his cell. Apparently, he was hit by that gunfire, as I mentioned. Sarah is passed out, tied up to a chair in the main area, which is getting colder and colder by the minute. Shaw approaches her, pulls her head back, and then kisses her, instantly waking her up. He says... Not... I just got to point in here not not my fantasy here just wanted to see if some of that old spark was still there <laughs> it's not funny but your your line reading was very accurate he like then licks his lips and like <laughs> it's really gross he then takes sarah's bracelet off the one that chuck gave her on their first christmas together in season two and he says that he'll keep it as a reminder of their last night together Sarah tries to appeal to Shaw's sense of decency by saying that she didn't mean to kill his wife and that they were just she was just on an assignment. She was a young agent. And she didn't know any better. And that killing her won't make Shaw complete or bring back his wife. Shaw doesn't want to hear it and says that although Sarah is shivering and in pain, it will all be over soon when she experiences the pain that he felt losing his wife. Sarah says that Chuck will stop him. Let's hope she's right. Upstairs, Jeff and Lester are over-caffeinated on coffees from Subway. And explain that the Omen is, isn't targeting consumer electronics. It's only targeting government servers. And it's not wiping the information. It's trying to relocate it. In their over-caffeinated exhaustion, Jeff and Lester don't believe that's possible. But Chuck and Morgan know that it certainly is plausible. Chuck pieces together that Shaw is using the Omen and the Macaw device to import all of the CIA's database, all of it, all of its knowledge, all of its information into his own personal intersect so that he will become the ultimate spy in a walking supercomputer. Morgan adds on that without their database, the CIA will have no choice but to welcome Shaw as their new leader, which I don't think is how government agencies work, <laughs> but sure, let's go with that. Chuck tells Jeff and Lester that the buy more is closed for the evening and tells them to go home, but Jeff and Lester are too amped up to go home, so they decide to go for a Christmas Eve run. I'm assuming to the bathroom, because if they drank as many <laughs> coffees as they had, and also those Subway sandwiches, they should be sprinting to the nearest restroom. <laughs> Chuck sits down with the Macaw device and plugs it into a laptop. 
Morgan says that he hoped Chuck has a plan because the stakes are very high. Chuck says that he's aware and tells Morgan, don't freak out. Don't freak out. Down in Castle, Shaw hears the elevator coming down and approaches it with his gun drawn. The door opens and the elevator is empty besides the macaw device. Shaw is confused when his phone rings. Chuck is on the other end and tells him that now that he has, now that Shaw has the macaw device, he needs to let Sarah go. Or if he needs to kill someone, he can come up and kill Chuck. Shaw asks why he should believe Chuck and vacate Castle. And Chuck tells him to look at the monitor. The Bymore is completely empty besides Chuck. Shaw is apparently game for round two of he and Chuck's fighting series in the Bymore. So he grabs the macaw device, hooks up to the castle servers and a pair of intersect glasses. He then slaps Sarah awake and tells her to watch the monitor as he kills Chuck in front of her. Fantasy back on. Uh, okay, well, we'll return to that in a moment. Sarah insists that Chuck has a plan, but Shaw says that he does too, and he spent the last two years in prison perfecting it. The intersect finishes uploading into his glasses, and Shaw grabs them and says, now you're going to know how it feels to spend the rest of your life without Chuck. That's going to be us in a couple months. <laughs> so you want to watch Brandon Routh kill Chuck in front of you, or do you want Brandon Routh to overpower any man in front of you you specifically want him to overpower your man what what, what do you want okay that i mean that's a good question i don't think any man because i don't have a relationship to any man it would have to be like someone who i have a relationship with like i guess he could overpower you do you think do you think he could overpower you so you have a sexual fantasy of me getting the shit kicked out of me by brandon routh while you watch it's fine. I understand. <laughs> I get it. Um, I, uh, you know, Aaron had the most powerful orgasm that she's ever had. <sighs> okay. Yep. So we move to the uh, holding room, office space, whatever, where Casey is being held. He wakes up and uh, tries to get up and get out of there, but uh, he's been shot, so he can't really move that much. Um, he also jostles the table above him, and one Mr. Pippers falls on him. He looks at Mr. Pippers and realizes that um, there's some sort of uh, tape recording thing, like one of those things that were popular around this time where you could like leave a message within the bear or like potentially a greeting card, something like that. So he decides he's going to leave a message. Um, it's actually very heartfelt because he seems to think that he's going to die there. So he tells Alex that he's proud of her and sorry that he hasn't been there for her. At this point, he realizes that what he's holding is, in fact, um, electronic and could potentially help him to, I guess, hotwire the door of the holding cell. Um, so he has a little plan and things are looking a little bit up. Meanwhile, Shaw has taken off his big coat and heads up into the Bymore. We see that Morgan was hiding in the home theater room, so as Shaw heads out into the store proper, Morgan makes a flying leap and dives into the elevator before it closes. Shaw has a gun, but he puts it down so he can truly enjoy the kill. Chuck points out how last time they fought hand-to-hand -hand combat, he kicked Shaw's ass. Shaw says that Chuck can't compete with the Intersect 3.0. Um, he also... Uh, to throw Chuck off his game, mentions how Sarah is watching down in Castle um, over the security cameras. Once again, my fantasy. Shaw puts on the Intersect glasses um, and downloads the Intersect 3.0 to his mind. It seems that all hope is lost, but as he and Chuck start fighting, Shaw flashes, and what's that he flashes on? Well, it's Christmas cartoons, Chris. Apparently, we find out that um, Shaw, in putting on the glasses removed the intersect, and downloaded the Omen virus instead um, via some quick thinking on Chuck's part, uploaded to the Macau device at, at, in some unspecified off-screen moment. Um, I don't know what the Christmas cartoons have to do with this, other than that it's timely. Like It seems like Chuck uh, kind of took a little extra time to make it kind of like cute, um, maybe a little bit festive. Or maybe it was just that the Christmas cartoons happened to be on the Buy More TVs, because we did see that earlier in the episode. Maybe that's what was going on. I don't know. Um, Chuck punches Shaw, and then they begin to fight properly. Meanwhile, back downstairs, Morgan runs into Castle and finds Sarah passed out. He tries to pick her up and makes the comment, you're like a little ice cube. 
Meanwhile, Casey hotwires the door of the holding cell using the innards of Mr. Pippers the bear. Back outside, Morgan is really struggling to pick up Sarah, but he he really can't. She's like bolted to the floor and he he's he's a little guy. She's she might be a little ice cube, but he's a little guy and he can't pick her up. It seems like all hope is lost, but then Chuck headbutt Shaw. Casey escapes and shoots the lock holding Sarah to the chair, and then he and Morgan are able to carry her up and out of there before she freezes to death. Up in the Bymore, Chuck calls Shaw sloppy um, while they are, in fact, being pretty sloppy by demolishing the entire Bymore. Seriously, I don't know how uh, they're going to clean this up. That store takes a beating, um, but but this is on another level. Chuck hits Shaw with a computer. Uh, Shaw, at that point, decides that it's not worth enjoying the kill by not using his gun and picks his gun up from the floor. He holds Chuck at gunpoint, and right as he's about to fire... Who hits him in the back of the head with uh, an unspecified electronic equipment? Why, it's Ellie. She says, I'm Eleanor Woodcomb. And honestly, she's never looked calmer. Or better. She looks really good. She has like a cool jacket. She and Chuck have a bonding moment over finally defeating the man who killed their father, or I guess defeating the man who killed their father for a second time. We cut to the same news anchor from the beginning, now no longer at the Bymore, but in fact in a news station, who is saying that a terrorist named Daniel Shaw was responsible for the release of the Omen virus and is now back behind bars where he belongs. An anonymous private security force were the ones to take him down, but they just did so in the Christmas spirit and do not want any recognition. The news then transitions into a dog that barks like a duck. And unfortunately, we don't get to see that dog that barks like a duck. We uh, go back to Chuck, which is a real shame if you ask me. Beckman, um, who is still in town, offers Team Bartowski jobs with the CIA She's going to leave um, and head back to whatever she does. Um, I thought she had a husband, um, so apparently she's not spending Christmas with him or her other family. Um, but she is going somewhere until they invite her to attend a party at the Bartowski's. Chuck asks her for American taxpayers' money so they can throw an off-the-charts Christmas party, and Beckman says, let's do it. Apparently, one of the things they do is just hire all the Buy More employees to continue wearing their elf costumes <laughs> and carry food around the uh, courtyard. <laughs> and everyone's okay with this. Chuck tells Ellie that she'll always have him, even if their mom and dad aren't there, which brings up the point that Linda Hamilton is still alive, and they made a reference at some point that like her plane was delayed because of the Omen virus. Mm-hmm. Um What's obviously really happening here is that they could no longer afford Linda Hamilton, um, but it's it's pretty weird that she's she's not there anymore. Chuck and Ellie talk about missing their dad, a.k.a. Scott Bakula. Across the courtyard, Casey gives Alex Mr. Pippers and tells her that he loves her. He's a little uh, nervous about having given her a stuffed bear since she is a 20-something-year-old, but she loves it. He also tells her to give Morgan another chance because he's not so bad. My next notes are uh, pretty sparse, but I think you'll get the point from them. They all end in exclamation marks. It's just Beckman in plain clothes, Skip Johnson, Lester wearing a yarmulke. So that's that's the vibe of what's going on right now. In a nice moment between Chuck and Sarah, Sarah thanks Chuck for saving her. In a less nice moment, Chuck says that he wasn't able to get her a present and then just gives her her bracelet that apparently was on the floor of Castle. Um, And Sarah seems okay with this. Across the way, uh, Devin is finally able to get a picture of Clara with Big Mike Santa. So thankfully, the Santa suit is back and the children of Burbank can rejoice. Skip Johnson holds some mistletoe above Ellie and Devin and they kiss. Then we get probably the worst part of this episode. Um, which is that Sarah decides that she needs to confess to Chuck that Shaw assaulted her while they were in Castle, as if um, that is her fault and that Chuck is going to be mad at her for it. Um, which, like, I don't know. The, the reason that they do this is so it can lead into Chuck making a confession of his own infidelity with Beckman, which is, I guess, kind of a joke. Um, but it's. It's really rough that this is the way they decided to do it or that like the way the way Sarah said it, I was I was just not a fan of. Beckman steps in to tell Sarah that Shaw requested a meeting with her and to suggest that Sarah doesn't go. But of course, Sarah does. 
Sarah goes to some sort of prison, which I hope is in the immediate LA area and she didn't have to travel too far because it is um, actually Christmas Eve right now. Um, she meets with Shaw and he tells her that he put something in motion that she'll never be able to stop. He asks if she remembers Hungry and if Chuck knows about the baby. What? And I'll say here, you're, you're not going to get this, but this is a reference for the kids. I would like to see a baby. You didn't get it. That's fine. It's for the kids. Okay, that's I understand. I, I know that we yeah. have a lot of young people listening yeah, to mm-hmm. uh, our show. Yeah. So Chuck versus the Santa suit. We had a jolly old time talking about this episode, but uh, we are running short on time. So let us move right into Chuck, Mary, Kill. We're going to take one part of this episode that we want to marry because we liked it. And one part of this episode we want to kill because we did not like it. Aaron, what would you like to marry? I personally would like to petition to change this from Chuck, Mary, Kill to Fuck, Mary, Kill, and then say that my answer for the uh, first the first category is Daniel Shaw. Okay, I guess that uh, we can discuss that. I think we kind of need to have a meeting about, uh, and we need to have a vote, you know, to make sure we have, uh, there's a whole process that we have to go through to change things and go Chuck yourself. Yeah. But mm-hmm. you're... So your Mary is that you just want to have sex with Daniel Shaw. And that was that's it. Yeah, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to start <laughs> watching DC's Legends of Tomorrow tonight so I can see more of him. <laughs> my my love was reignited. It's been like I thought it was at its height during season three, but it wasn't. It's it's now. So the more that he becomes a villain, the more that your love goes up. That I mean, is that surprising? No, it's not. Uh, so I guess my Mary is I want to marry the fight scene between Chuck and Shaw. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting compared to the last fight in the Buy More, which was very over the top. I thought it was very dramatic. This fight was also dramatic, but it was more realistic and it was a little bit grittier. Neither man has the intersect and they both just hate each other's guts and are just going at it like a couple of animals. I think the fight choreographer did an outstanding job with this one. I liked how they were using like the props in the Buy More and just kind of uh, it felt like a very well thought out fight and i thought that both zachary levi and brandon routh did a good job with their choreography and you know this is a christmas eve brawl that i will remember for christmases to come so i am reluctant to ask what do you want to kill this week <laughs> no this this one's normal okay why would you think it would be weird i don't know the first one was weird so I thought the second one would be weird no um i'm gonna i as i said it's it's Fuck Mary Kill. I I don't have a Mary. It's just fucking kill this week. Um, <laughs> but the thing that I would like to strike from this episode, which I otherwise really enjoyed, um, is the Sarah confessing that Shaw kissed her thing. I I don't know. Like, did did you also clock that as weird, or did you not clock it as weird? The way that you presented it, I was like, you're right. That is weird. The way that I interpreted it was just that, like, she. I don't know. It's hard for me to unsee it now that the way that you present it, because I originally was like, oh, she's just telling him. But it is weird because she's telling it in a way of being like, like you said, um, and you think it would have come up earlier when they like first rescued her. Yeah, it's it's just like a weird vibe because it's like, obviously, you would in a lot of cases, like if you had been kidnapped and someone forced themselves on you, like you would probably tell your partner. Um, but I don't know that like it, it just has this really weird vibe of like you um, like, like Sarah feels guilty about it. Like the way she phrases it is like, uh-huh. you should probably know. And like there, I, of course there is like some sort of um, like it's realistic with trauma for there to be some sort of guilt involved, but just like the show kind of presents it as like Shaw kissing Sarah is equal to Chuck kissing Beckman, which like it isn't. And it's like, that was kind of a gross thing. That was like a bad thing that Shaw did. And it just kind of like the way that it was presented was not really responsible. And I was not a fan of it. And it generally just had like a, a real like I haven't I haven't had to bring this up in a while um but it kind of had the same vibe as like the prenup or like other things in Chuck that I know it's written by adults but it feels like it has like a very like middle schooler or high schooler approach to like 
another person's lips have touched my partner's lips willingly or not. And so they must confess to me and I must decide if I'm okay with that. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's very weird. And I wasn't a fan of it. What about you? I think I was uh, along the same lines. Like, I think that it was a like Brandon Routh did a really good job playing a really kind of demented psychopath. Uh, But I also feel like this probably was probably, I don't know. It was, uh, like it was effective because he was really scary and we felt the mm-hmm. stakes and we wanted him to be defeated and we were scared of him. But at the same time, I was like, I don't know if someone is watching is like a fan of Chuck thinking like they kind of know what they there's been, you know, five seasons of Chuck. We know what we're getting ourselves into. And if someone has, you know, sensitivity to things like sexual assault or domestic violence, like mm-hmm. I could see this being very upsetting and very yeah. triggering kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I wish that wasn't the case. Yeah. But like, so I wish they kind of toned it down just a little bit and still keep Shaw scary. But I was like, maybe he's a little bit too scary yeah. this week. Uh, so that was that was kind of my feeling about it. I think that's fair. Something else that is always fair. It's never harsh. It's never unduly, you know, critical. It's always just right is the scooter scale. And that's what we're going to do right now. Aaron, how many corn dogs would you give this episode and why? Please explain why you would give those that number of corn dogs. Don't just give me a number. Oh, do you? Oh, you're just going to say, I just want to fuck the corn dogs and move on. Is that what you're going to do? <laughs> yeah, that is what I'm going to do. Um, this is going to sound weird considering um, what we just talked about, um, because I absolutely agree with um, everything that you said. Um, but I'm, I'm going to give this episode 4.5 corn dogs because I felt, um, well, obviously I had a lot of feelings during this episode, but this episode felt to me kind of like, like an anchor of this season where I had been missing like the levity, like the understanding of the characters and their relationships. Like with Decker, I really, um, didn't understand who that was with uh, Rebecca Romaine in the last episode. Didn't really understand who that was. Like, I think just having the return of a villain that I recognized doing things that were recognizable mm-hmm. really, really helped for me understanding like the levity of the moment and the motivations and what was going on. And I kind of cared a lot more about Chuck or Sarah or Casey fighting Shaw than I did about them fighting like a nameless villain of the week. It's a little bit of a bummer because I think like Shaw's kind of off the board again. Like I think they only had him for the one episode. So I think we're going to go back to that villain of the week thing. But I did really respond to having a familiar face and a plot line that I understood and like stakes that were believable. Um, I don't give it a perfect score. Um, because I do agree that it, it could have been toned down. They could have taken out, like, I don't think there's any way to remove the trauma of, like, the kidnapping and the domestic violence. They didn't need it to be, like, to add the sexual things. I thought the kiss in particular stood out as something that was, like, weird. And so it, it could have just been, like, he's unhinged and he's kidnapped her. They didn't have to add, like, the, the creepy sexual element to it. Um, so, and then like just the, the kiss confession thing and the like, kind of like making it a humorous confession and moment with the kiss with Beckman and comparing those two things I thought was weird and I wasn't a fan of it, but overall this kind of felt like in a weird way, a return to form and it was kind of a relief and was an episode I enjoyed most out of this season. What about you? I, uh, well, I think that was a very, you know, your, your analyses are usually pretty good, but I feel like that was a, that was a particularly good analysis this week. Thanks. Uh, this is a special week because for the first time in season five, we are in total agreement with our scooter score (gasps) scales. I will also give it a 4.5 out of five. I'm a sucker for the Christmas episodes. I think they usually do a pretty good job with them. And I thought this one really delivered. I was surprised to see Shaw and I thought he was extra scary and ominous. The stakes were incredibly high. Uh, but believable. I was on the edge of my seat. I really enjoyed the whole Chuck and Beckman kiss uh, and was really happy to see some classic Subway product placement that always makes me feel warm and sticky on the inside like I ate Subway. Uh, (laughs) As I said, I really liked the fight scene between Chuck and Shaw, and I especially enjoyed that it was resolved by Ellie saving the day and serving some payback on Shaw for killing Steven. 
thought the episode was fun, suspenseful, if at times a little bit disturbing because of how scary Shaw was, now physically was with Sarah, but all the characters seem okay at the end. I'm glad they all made it through. Glad that they had a nice little Christmas party at the end and that Casey was able to see Alex. Although I am very uh, curious about this cliffhanger. I am uh, I'm very pleased with this episode. I was I was a very satisfied, very satisfied viewer. Uh, as I maybe maybe I was 10 years ago when I watched it. I don't know. So now we have the lesson of the week. Aaron, what did you learn this week? I'm going to keep this one simple. This week I learned some things about myself. You don't want to elaborate on that at all? I think it was clear from the, the content of the episode what I learned. Uh, this week I learned that Santa Claus isn't real. What? Oh, shit. Uh, where where did they say that in the episode? <laughs> they don't. I realized after I wrote it that it doesn't... <laughs> you could actually watch this. I guess specifically that the... Um, I I guess there's really no basis for me to have learned this in that episode. I'm sorry, listener. After all this time, I I just I thought we had a nice time, and I just screwed up the ending right there. Uh, believe it or not, we are now in the second half of season five already. We only have six That's episodes crazy. left of the season. Wow. It's crazy. Uh, so next week we'll be back with I guess Chuck, Chuck versus the baby. Chuck versus the baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think either way you want to phrase it, it's kind of upsetting because Chuck is like the way that title is framed is that Chuck is going to be fighting a baby. <laughs> That's going to be something. Maybe it's like a talking CGI baby. People oh, love I those. Hope so. yeah. I hope they do that. That would be a really good crowd pleasing move. Uh, until then, I guess we'll find out together. My name is Chris Gillespie reminding you that food like Brandon Routh is is sexy thank you and my name is erin arada reminding you that anything is possible okay so did, did you know that um teddy ruxpin is not in fact a bear but is um the form of a talking iliop which is a creature that looks like a bear did you know that there's a whole mythos behind texas he's, he's an iliop um, and his mouth and eyes move while he reenacts stories played on an audio tape cassette deck belted to his back. So I guess that makes sense in with the Mr. Pippin. But yes, he's an Iliop. An Iliop. Iliop. And, and he was invented by Ken Forsey. <laughs> he was invented by Ken Ruxpin, who said, I always wanted a son. And now <laughs> I have one and I could share him with the world. This episode... This episode brought to you by Teddy Ruxpin. Go to teddyruxpin.com and use the code GCY to save <laughs> 50% on your next Teddy Ruxpin doll. Thanks for listening. As always, a big thanks to the artist Hadakoa and the fine folks at freemusicarchive.org for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. If you want to drop us a line, you can reach us at gocheckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Go Check Yourself on your preferred podcast platform. New episodes come out every Monday morning and you do not want to miss a new episode. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.